Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Sometimes the most interesting stuff in the SEC is the story behind the story. Sometimes coaches who notoriously, I don't know if they have to be careful what they say, but they certainly think that way. They seem to want to be as careful as they possibly can be with all the words they use. And so sometimes coaches can't say certain things explicitly that they'd like to, so they have to kind of speak in such a way that's almost like a coded language where folks are left to determine what they actually meant by what they said. And a lot of times this is related to recruiting where there generally are, genuinely are, some rules against mentioning prospective recruits or prospective players out of the transfer portal or whatever else. So sometimes, are you familiar with the phrase subtweeting when you're tweeting something and you're trying to get a message out and you're clearly talking about someone but you kind of don't mention that person by name we kind of see a version now when coaches do press conferences when they speak to the media they're actually using the media to sort of speak to the public at large and sometimes it's a particular player in particular that they're trying to get a message out to this is something i believe the kirby smart has done really well let's go back for instance i'm going to do this very quickly as a way of setting us up for something that happened yesterday but let's go back to the Missouri game for a moment back in December. It was a big day for Georgia tight end Darnell Washington. He caught some big balls. And at that time, that moment for Washington also coincided with Eric Gilbert being on the outs at LSU, entering the transfer portal, looking to leave that program. And a lot of people, me included, probably you so as well, interpreted something that Kirby Smart said at the end of the game against Missouri as a little bit of a coded message to, hey, Eric Gilbert, we're open for business over here. Would love to have you leave LSU and come to Georgia. Let me give you a reminder from Kirby after the Missouri game. This is from December. You can never have enough good tight ends in the SEC because they're big, they're athletic, they can catch the ball. There's so many things they can do. So it's, it's one of those things that we want as many as we can get and we want to get them the ball. So very clever, I would say, there from Kirby Smart. And scoreboard says it worked because Eric Gilbert eventually did join the Georgia football program. But sometimes in the SEC, turnabout can be fair play. And what uh, Kirby Smart has used on other programs, used to attract other players, that same tactic could potentially be used against him as well. And I believe one of the league's newest coaches, South Carolina coach Shane Beamer, did this yesterday when he got up to the podium. And I, I guess irony irony would have it it's also the tight end position that kind of centers around all of this beamer makes a pretty direct statement about the tight end position there's a certain voice inflection trick that he uses here and almost everyone widely interpreted beamer's statement as being about a recruit that south carolina is currently battling georgia for obviously these aren't the only two schools involved in this but that head-to-head right now south carolina rolling out all the red carpet for the 2022 tight end oscar delp obviously georgia trying to do the same thing and most people thought in hoover alabama yesterday when Shane Beamer made his debut appearance at SEC Media Days. He used those cameras and that microphone to speak directly to Delp yesterday. Take a listen to Beamer. Judge for yourself. Tight end position, that's a position that's near and dear to me, something that I've coached for the last five years uh, in my career. We are always going to utilize the tight end. Every donor or booster club event that I go to, that's the one question I get asked. Are you going to throw the tight end? We are going to throw to the tight end. We want 
the premier tight ends in America, and that's the way that we're recruiting right now as well to go get those guys as well. We've utilized those guys in the past when I've been at Oklahoma, and we will continue to. One of those tight ends is here today in Nick Muse, a fantastic young or older player for us, and then Jaheim Bell is another one that we have high hopes for as well. But that position will always be a key part of our offense at South Carolina. This is one of those things where if you inject SEC news intravenously, you kind of know what Beamer did there. And if you're a little bit more of a casual fan, maybe you kind of miss that. But the voice inflection part of this is near the very end when Beamer goes, we want pause. I believe that's what salesmen call an embedded command, that uh, when he gives you the we want that's a thought to be a little bit of a play on the we want Delp stuff. There was a lot of folks in South Carolina that were doing a Delp wanted type campaign. You know, the Georgia response was the, you know, Delp is a dog type thing. But there was a whole big we want Delp. I mean, you've even had like South Carolina fans like riding this in the sand when they're at the beach and taking pictures of it. The whole we want Delp thing has been pretty big in South Carolina when it comes to Oscar Delp. And so when Beamer isolates those two words we want in the clip that you just heard <laughs> once again he's not mentioning delp explicitly but it was fairly commonly received as a pretty clear message to oscar delp that he was using the podium in sec media days trying to get delp's attention and we do know that delp was paying close attention to this that apparently he did notice this as well there was a reporter that reached out to him and asked him about this i'll show you delp's remark about this there on the screen here this is oscar delp when asked about the attention that that Shane Beamer seemed to give him at SEC Media Days, the guy's name is Brent Greenberg. That's the that's the uh, reporter who says Oscar Delp on Shane Beamer's line at SEC Media Days 2021. He says it was super cool hearing that and uh, Shane Shane Beamer talk about that. He says I definitely want to uh, go to a school that utilizes that position, and then he says that he's really feeling the love from the entire South Carolina fan base. So Delp likes the idea of Beamer pri- prioritizing tight ends. Likes the idea that Beamer would make the veiled reference to him during SEC media days and acknowledging what it certainly seemed to be true is that South Carolina is really rolling out the red carpet for all of this when it comes to Oscar Delp's recruitment. Now, the good news is, and you can go back and check the archives of this from our own show here on Dog Nation Daily presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia or the things that uh, Jeff Sintel has written before. It is obvious that Georgia has also made a strong pitch to uh, Oscar Delp there as well, and that Delp has talked before about the way that his family has been won over by the ways in which the Georgia coaching staff has really made all of them feel a part of the Georgia family here there too. I mean, Delp's been fairly open in talking about that. He's done some interviews with Jeff Sintel where he's mentioned that same very point, and I think it's only fair for Delp, who is a tight end, to want to go to a place that position is going to be utilized, and this is not just a recruiting pitch from Georgia. You know, when when uh, when Kirby said what he said at the Missouri game, and I played that audio, audio for you a little earlier, I think there were some people who thought, oh, well, Georgia chose to use Darnell Washington this particular day because it wanted to send the uh, message to Eric Gilbert. But the honest truth is, I think that's actually a disservice to Washington to say that that his presence in that game plan in Columbia against the Tigers was simply about some sort of recruiting pitch for Eric Gilbert. The fact of the matter is, Georgia knows what it has in the tight end position right now. And I think you're talking about an offensive coordinator in Todd Munkin, who I truly believe, I mean, I genuinely believe, 
wants to use that position here this year. And yes, I know that Georgia fans have heard all of that before, and sometimes that ends up being a little bit of an unrequited promise when it's all said and done because, let's face it, at the college level, sometimes getting the ball to tight ends is a little easier said than done. NFL teams, NFL quarterbacks just seem to be a lot better than that than your average college quarterback is. But look at the current makeup of the Georgia roster with Darnell Washington, with John Fitzpatrick, who I think is still a very impressive prospect and has done some big things in a Georgia uniform. Obviously, with Brock Bowers, who's coming in with a lot of accolades. Don't forget about guys like Rylan Godey, who I've heard as of late is getting is not even getting back to full health, is healthy again. That's a guy who could be a part of the Georgia discussion here there as well. This is a deep position. Todd Hartley's probably recruited that tight end position as well as any assistant coach has for Georgia recently. When it comes to acquiring this elite talent, and I do believe that Georgia now has the mindset to utilize that position. So Delp says, hey, I like feeling the love from South Carolina, and I want to go to a place that the tight end is going to be used. No matter what Shane Beamer says from the podium there at SEC Media Days about how much he wants to do that. Uh, the truth is, I think that Georgia's not going to be outmatched by anybody when it comes to using that position this year because it's got depth of the position and it's got the quarterback in JT Daniels who's capable of distributing the football. So ultimately for me, this story is really about kind of the fun of following the recruiting process. We've talked before about the soap opera within the SEC, even at the podium of SEC media days when the conversation's supposed to be about the team on the field for the upcoming season. Clever coaches use a way to sneak in a recruiting pitch every now and then there as well. Uh, Shane Beamer did that yesterday. Georgia fans certainly noticed and could be that the battle for Delp is far from over. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia and glad to have you with us no matter how you get to us today. Live on video, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, now on the page at dognation.com right there at the top when you go to the screen. You can check out Dog Nation Daily presented by ESOG right there. I love the fact that we have a hardworking staff tirelessly efforting to make more and more platforms available for you to enjoy our content each and every day, including now watching the show right there on the page of dognation.com. I hope you'll check that out and please share with me your feedback because I'd honestly love to hear how that's going for you and certainly appreciate you consuming the show no matter how you get to us. Of course, podcast there as well, all those platforms and on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref there too. So lots of fun ways for you to get in touch. Really appreciate you being a part of it and a true sincere thanks to our friends and engineered solutions of georgia for making it all possible there as well you know when it comes to foundation waterproofing issues this is the kind of thing that can keep a homeowner homeowner up at night and let's face it we've had kind of a rainy summer a lot of rain as i was driving in this morning and when you have that rain it makes you think about sometimes those foundation those waterproofing issues you see that water creeping into your house basement crawl space garage when it's raining maybe some of you have even noticed the way in which it's caused your house to settle in kind of a weird way you see cracks in your walls you know that's a sign that something needs to be done something needs to be fixed and that's what uh my friends at uh, engineered solutions of georgia can do for you they've got two full-time engineers on staff so if it's a big problem they got smart people to fix it for you sometimes though it's not such a big problem and they can give you the peace of mind by telling you the simple fix for your small problem but you won't know until you reach out my friends at engineered solutions of georgia proud partners of uga that makes them fun to do business with it's good to support those who support uga and obviously to be self-serving here for a moment uh so many of you have been so kind 
online to support those who've been good friends of ours here on Dog Nation daily for a long time there as well. And certainly we count ESOG among our very best friends. So please give them a call. The number to dial, dial this number, 678-ESOG-NOW. That's 678-ESOG-NOW. That'll get you in touch with Engineered Solutions of Georgia. All right, it's John Stinchcomb, who we promised you yesterday weren't able to deliver. We'll talk to John here in a moment, and we'll actually address some of the things that are ongoing as we do the show live. Now, like 99% of you, that enjoy this show actually don't watch it live you can't listen to it live unless you i guess you just uh put the video platform on and listen to it that way but like 90 something percent of the audience is going to be an audience that watches or listens after the fact here so but for those who are watching live kirby's actually speaking as we are doing the show here today so we'll get some thoughts on kind of where things stand with georgia this early look ahead to the season with smart and, of course, I'll be there in Hoover, Alabama later on this afternoon. Coverage tomorrow. Uh, recap of everything that happened with the UGA guys. And, of course, SEC Country Live tomorrow afternoon from Hoover, Alabama there as well. For now, though, it's time for Around the Doghouse. It's presented today by my friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union. And this is where I – by the way, I just saw Connor Riley on TV. That's kind of funny. This is where I get to have some fun. Because there's kind of this popular thing out there these days of being a fact checker. It always seems like a very powerful job, right? You know, smart people, certainly uh, people take themselves very seriously, going to put themselves in the role of fact checker. Well, I get to be fact checker right now, and I get to squash out what I believe is a little bit of fake news from Florida coach Dan Mullen. So I'm about to give Mullen four Pinocchios for uh, what he said yesterday that was an incredibly erroneous statement at SEC Media Days. Let me show you the tweet here. Uh, Edgar Thompson covers the Florida Gators, the Orlando Sentinel. He writes on Twitter uh, that Dan Mullen was asked at SEC Media Days uh, on Georgia being the team to beat in the SEC East this year. Mullen's line was, well, didn't they say that last year? That was what Mullen said. And I, I don't think Mullen actually meant anything by this, but it was kind of taken by some as a little bit of a veiled jab at Georgia, the way that Mullen has been known to occasionally take veiled jabs from time to time. But it is important to note, though, that what Mullen says, hey, was, wasn't everybody talking up Georgia last year? Wasn't everybody doing that? The honest truth is, no, that's not what was happening last year. We've talked about this before. Last offseason was the summer of the Florida Gators, that you couldn't go anywhere in media without hearing all kinds of just effusive praise for Florida. Dan Mullen in particular, with the Gators brought to the table here for uh, that upcoming year there in 2020. Now, it turned out that Florida did win the SEC, so you can't say he was all incredibly wrong. But this idea that no one was talking about Dan Mullen's Florida Gators a year ago, here is a quick reminder from the media from a year ago, this timeline last year just how not true that really was take a listen to this i think florida's definitely a contender this year the florida gators are the team to beat in the sec east i look at florida and i go it's got to be now kyle trask possibly the best quarterback in the league they've got an outstanding quarterback in kyle trask who not enough people talked about this past season and the success he had with dan mullen this has got to be florida's year because of Kyle Trask, yeah. his development. The defense is going to be stout, particularly in the secondary. Florida is going to be better defensively. They have one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. I think Florida's in a prime position to get back to Atlanta in 2020. So that was all from summer of 2020, like late spring, summer of 2020. That was all the things 
that were being said about Florida a year ago. So for Dan Mullen to like step up to the podium and say, hey, nobody was picking us last year. No, I just gave you what? A handful of fairly well-known voices, certainly recognizable faces around the college football media sphere, and they were falling all over themselves to praise and show love for Dan Mullen. So what Mullen's not going to be able to do coming into this season and say, oh, this year is just like last year where nobody's picking us, nobody thinks anything for you know for us. Uh, this is Dan Mullen, I believe, intentionally trying to do something that I've warned you about a couple of times here in the show as of late, where you don't want those people this year saying, ah, oh, not top 25 team, you know, Florida's going to, you know, kind of fall off the radar or whatever else. That's setting the bar low so that it doesn't take very much to leap over that. That's not what you want for Florida. And I believe what you're seeing from Dan Mullen there, what you're hearing from Dan Mullen there is an intentional attempt to do just that, to say, listen, uh, we've had to replace a bunch of guys before. If we had, had SEC media days a year ago, in fact, Mullen said some version of this yesterday, folks have been talking about the guys we had to replace off the 2019 team and essentially shrugging off the need to replace Kyle Pitts and the need to replace Kadarius Toney and you know maybe even Kyle Trask there as well. And obviously, I think this is Mullen's attempt to set up a phony narrative because the truth is, is that even in a year in which Florida exploded offensively, still, as many of you are aware, lost four times, including the final three games that they played. So I think that yesterday you saw something kind of interesting from Mullen in the way that he almost kind of took on kind of a phony bravado I think we see this from Dan from time to time he tries to be Steve Spurrier he's just not he tries to be his old boss Urban Meyer he falls flat on that there as well he was far more complimentary for instance of Emory Jones yesterday during SEC media days than he was at the end of spring practice so yesterday was Mullen I believe his attempt to kind of put on a persona I guess you can decide for yourself how well it worked I think for some it kind of left just a little bit to be desired, but the whole notion of nobody was picking Florida a year ago, uh, we have the receipts to prove just how not true that is. That's Around the Doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union. I want to talk to you about Georgia's Own Visa Signature and Platinum Card, which offer uh, contractless payments. This is a really cool thing, and there's huge incentives here for you there as well. You can get flex rewards, which can be used for anything. I'm talking about gift cards, uh, travel, uh, cashback, merchandise, so much more there as well. Also, as a bonus, you can earn up to $150 when you open a new Platinum or Signature Card. Of course, restrictions do apply, so uh, make sure you check out the website for more details on this. It's georgiasown.org. That's the website, georgiasown.org. You can check out my friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union today. You can get yourself one of these Georgia's Own Visa Signature or Platinum cards and uh, enjoy contractless payments, uh, contactless payments is what I should say, contactless payments on that. Uh, really good stuff from Georgia's Own Credit Union who helped bring around the doghouse to us here today. Of course, we got a lot coming up on today. Day show very busy with everything from around SEC media days. I'll look at what Kirby Smart is saying right now. We'll do that with John Stinchcomb coming up. We will also talk about some of the other things that were said about Georgia yesterday, including a very interesting statement from LSU coach Ed Orgeron on Eric Gilbert. So we'll cover all of that on the way. It's Dog Nation Daily presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Let's enjoy John Stinchcomb right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insight. It is not John's normal day, but after some technical difficulties yesterday, John, good enough to spend some time with us here today, right in the middle of Georgia making its appearance at SEC Media Days. John, your time is always so precious to us, so we appreciate you sharing it with us. And 
Hope you're enjoying what, to me, almost feels like the unofficial kickoff to the start of the season. Coaches, players talking there at SEC Media Days. This is an event, I'm guessing, that in 2002 you would have attended for Georgia. Is that correct? Were you one of the spokesmen back then? Yes, sir, and it's good to uh, get connected again. I know we were having some trouble making it happen, so I appreciate you all working with me to to get me back on air. But, yes, yeah, so back in 2002, I know Boss was there. I think Karen Edwards and Coach Rick. So uh, it, it was quite the circus. What is it like having all those microphones in front of you, cameras in front of you? It's a little bit different now because, you know, in a normal SEC media days year away from the pandemic, there are these small tables the players sit at. You can really get a crowd of folks around them. For now, and this is kind of inside baseball, but for now the players are only sitting at a big podium far removed from the throng of media what's it like when you really i'm sure get a little claustrophobic when that group of cameras and microphones and everything just sort of starts to huddle around you uh what's that like well luckily you have some familiarity with post-game interviews and that atmosphere with uh multiple people with these little uh recorders jammed in your face that there's some familiarity with that scenario, but you know that this is uh, an opportunity for the other 13 teams across the SEC to get some sort of bulletin board material and insight on at least the mindset of your your program heading into the season. So uh, I think more than anything, the anxiety comes with trying not to uh, take any missteps and, and say something that you're not, quote-unquote, supposed to say uh, given that platform yeah so that's a, a source of curiosity for me there as well because obviously and you and I come at this from totally different vantage points you're a player trying to make sure you don't say the wrong thing and I'm a media person that would love nothing more than for somebody to give kind of a, a volatile quote that gets everybody talking and for the most part that never really happens uh, you almost have to sort of spin something that that wasn't too salacious to even get you know anything that even moves in that direction from time to time so do they coach you? Is there a meeting before the meeting where they tell you what not to say, or do they only choose players who kind of already know what not to say? Yeah, I think, they, uh, I think they're pretty selective as to who they pick to represent the team. Uh, obviously, there are more players inclined to speak their mind and, and possibly step, quote-unquote, out of line uh, with what the, the company's slogans are, at least for that season. But, uh, you know, as a player, I think you know – just in generalities, what areas are hot topic and hot topics, and, and, and where landmines might exist for you heading into that uh, space. So, no different for this year for Jordan and JT. I'm, I'm sure they were prepared with Claude Selton and his team uh, as to some issues that might be uh, brought up, and, and there's some sort of prep work that goes into let's at least have that the right information. They don't. They don't tell you what you can and can't say, but they certainly do want you to be informed and aware uh, so you're not blindsided by certain questions that come up. Similar to you know the discussion about Coach O, I'm sure he was uh, fully expecting someone at some point to bring up uh, the litigation that's still pending in, right. in that situation down at LSU. So um, there, is, there is prep work that goes in place, but nobody's behind the scenes saying, hey, you can't say this but you can't or you should say that and we should point out that while you and i are talking georgia's appearance at sec media days is ongoing right now so some of this 
we've already heard, you may have already heard, obviously a lot of this will still play out over the course of Tuesday morning heading into Tuesday afternoon. But if I were to ask you kind of a broad big picture question of some of the things as a you know stakeholder of the Georgia program, fan of this team, uh, obviously former player there as well, what do you want to hear from Georgia today? What are you curious about, John? If if you you know had your own chance at the microphone, questions that you'd like to see asked and answered here today from the Georgia contingent, what's on your mind related to that? Well, I'd love to hear how the new pieces are falling in place from JT and Jordan. I mean, they are with the team on a daily basis, and there's familiarity that's grown for both players. Uh, but there's a lot of transfers and new additions and. Uh, just their insight as to how that assimilation process is going. Um, you know, with the loss of George Pickens and the wide receivers, what better candidate uh, or, or individual to, to tell us um, the strengths and weaknesses of the players as we add them um, across the wide receiver uh, core and you know, the, the role that Eric Gilbert can play um, you know, is it more of that slot? They make a big deal out of that. Is he a wide receiver? Is he a tight end? Watch half the routes that George Kittle runs in the NFL, yeah. and he, he's in a slot receiver role, if nothing else, and as uh, a stand-up tight end. Now he's got the ability to do both, and I think that's what uh, the flexibility that really across the board the Georgia tight ends have. Uh, but those are the kind of insights that I want to hear. I, I'd like to hear from JT what that growth process has looked like with him and Coach Munkin, where you have an entire offseason as the number one guy. Are you able to drill in on those details, and what does that mean? How does that translate into, uh, what is it, different play calls on the field or production or uh, packages that maybe you can highlight? I want, I want that kind of insight. From Jordan, I'd like to know what that development looks like across that front four. You lose... Uh, Aziz Ojolari, where's that production come in, and who does he see as that next crop of guys that are going to be contributors, uh, whether it's a, a veteran or, or someone who's uh, already impressed with what he's seen this far in the offseason. I want to ask you about Gilbert in a moment, but let me also follow up on something else you just said there as well when it comes to the talented new players like Gilbert who are entering the program. John, you won a Super Bowl. You were on a college team in 2002 that came about as close as you can come to winning a national championship and not. I mean, that was a clearly a playoff-worthy team in 2002. Had there been a playoff, Georgia would have been, I believe, included in that. So you know what it's like to have big-time team success. In fact, you've had the highest team success anyone can enjoy, bringing home a Lombardi trophy. What role did team chemistry play in all of that? Because I am a believer that for Georgia here right now, this offseason is about taking these new pieces, whether it be in some cases talented freshmen who've just arrived or certainly high-profile transfers who help fill roster voids for Georgia. It's about getting them to play well together. What role did chemistry play on the best teams that you were part of? It, it, it is vital. For any team success in football, the ultimate team sport, you have to have that chemistry. You have to have a locker room. and I think it starts with leadership. You have to have leaders in the locker room that create the identity and create that atmosphere that demands a certain standard. And uh, listening to Stingley talk about LSU's chemistry from last year and results in a 5-5 five and five season, um, it just speaks to the necessity that team chemistry, 
team chemistry has for successful teams. I, I've mentioned on this show multiple times uh, that 2000 se- season, you know, Georgia was probably the most talented on paper football team uh, that I played on uh, for a particular level, but it didn't result in success. And I think chemistry and leadership has a lot to do it, with it. And they, they play hand in hand. When you have great leaders uh, where people buy in and respect those that are uh, leading the charge, um, it creates for great chemistry and, and you get some synergy uh, from your parts. I mean, the sum is greater than the, the pieces and um, that's what great teams have. And, and I, I'm, I've been a beneficiary at every level, whether it's state championship, SEC championship, my 13 and one season, or when we won the uh, yeah. Super Bowl back in 2010. So uh, team chemistry is a must for success. It's interesting to hear from JT Daniels at SEC Media Days right now that he says he's been asked about Eric Gilbert more than any other topic so far in speaking to reporters, which I think is kind of interesting. And on that subject here, you know, we heard Ed Orgeron a little earlier, you know, make the the not comparison, but made the statement that, hey, he's a great tight end. A lot of Georgia fans say, no, now he's a wide receiver. And, you know, John, this is just my opinion, but that's what I'm going to give you that. I think a tight end that could be a wide receiver is more valuable than a wide receiver that could be a tight end, if you follow my drift on that. Obviously, you know, Gilbert wants to play the receiver position, and I believe he's athletic enough to do so. But, you know, this notion that he should never play tight end and never line up in the middle and never use that physicality that that, uh, God has given him – I think it'd be a mistake to say that's not going to be a part of his repertoire there at all because you mentioned George Kittle's name a little earlier. You could cite all kinds of other examples there as well uh, that a big-time tight end is a very difficult thing for an opposing defense to deal with. And so I understand why Gilbert doesn't want to be a tight end exclusively, and George is very deep at that position if Gilbert never lines up there. But a tight end that could be a receiver is a pretty valuable commodity around these parts, and I think that's what Gilbert could still be for Georgia if that's how Todd Munkin chooses to use him this year. Do you agree with that? Yeah, well, it's funny that we have to, we feel obligated to place labels on players, and and with the multiplicity and dynamic way that offensive coordinators are deploying their weapons, they don't really fit molds anymore. This isn't the mid-90s where a tight end was in line next to a tackle with his hand in the dirt. I mean, what a funny story, Marcus Colston, when he first arrives in New Orleans, who goes on to have arguably the best career of any wide receiver to ever wear the black and gold, originally he was possibly going to be a tight end for us and ends up being one of the best wide receivers to, to play during that era. So labels don't really matter. I, I, I like the flexibility of a, you for any player, any anybody who's looking at an offense, if you've got a big guy who's athletic and can catch the ball in space, I think we've got a space for you. And, you know, when we broke down Darnell Washington for that series leading up to the spring game, one of the things that we highlighted was the multiple ways and formations that they were using him and and. and compromising the defense and trying to create mismatches. Well, this is no different for Gilbert. If you know he's a big target, he's a big body guy, but is super athletic and he plays that hybrid role really well. So if you can line him up next to the sideline as a as a spread out X, you kind of like those matchups with a, a smaller, shorter cornerback, but yet he's got the physicality when you bring him 
closer to the box or even in a wing position. Um, he's been a guy that's also proven to be functioning in the run game, but effective as a receiver from, from an interior alignment. So, again, that gives more flexibility, more weapons, more ways to attack a defense. What offensive coordinator wouldn't want that? I want to ask you a question about Jordan Davis to wrap up here in just a moment. Before that, though, let me squeeze in a quick word to my friends at Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia Divorce. Find them online, the AtlantaDivorceTeam.com. These are experts in the divorce process. They'll walk with you side by side. They've also got tons of free resources for you there as well. Blog post, podcast, everything else. Check them out online, the AtlantaDivorceTeam.com. That website, once again, the AtlantaDivorceTeam.com. Your source for Georgia Divorce is Meriwether and Tharp. John, I've gotten some feedback from UGA fans over the course of the last couple of days related to the fact that in some of these preseason All-SEC lists that come out, you don't really see Jordan Davis mentioned as a first-team guy. USA Today, I guess the latest example of that. They didn't have Davis among their first team. That's a guy that you and I have also profiled before in a video series that that we've done. And I'd love nothing more than for there to be a little steam and momentum around the idea that Jordan Davis is an underrated player coming into this final year for him at Georgia mm-hmm. here in 2020 because I think he's truly good enough to really make folks regret whatever they may not have said about him here during this preseason. You think we really are on the verge of getting there that maybe some folks kind of outside the bubble of Dog Nation don't quite realize that Davis is far more than just a space-eating nose guard? <laughs> I can assure you offensive coordinators and offensive lines that face Georgia are well aware of Jordan Davis and what he's capable of. You know, You look at these preseason teams, and a lot of them are, are statistically based. I mean, you want guys that have flashier stats and you can point to, you know, the difference that they're making on a football field. Jordan Davis, his impact is far-reaching past what his numbers might show. The impact that he has on the game and what offenses are able to do, what they're wanting and willing to do as to how they attack Georgia's defense, I, I think you look no further than the games where he was injured and see the different plays that were called and the different approaches that the opposing offenses took against Georgia because of the lack of his presence. And uh, it indicates the the game-changing ability that he has. So for him, I think that the biggest step is, one, staying healthy, and two, just continuing to build on the the resume that he's put together so far. I mean, he's an impactful guy that – obviously extends more than just a space eater. I mean, we've seen that in the past from other teams. There are big bodies that take up space and uh, free up linebackers to make plays, but Jordan Davis makes plays in his own right and, and beats double teams and creates havoc on the interior that wouldn't do him justice to say, you know, he's just a two-gapping space eater. His game is, is much further along than... Uh, that qualifier would would give him credit for. John, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate you being here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by ESOG. You've certainly been uh, very generous with it. Hope you have a great week. Enjoy the rest of SEC Media Days. And the next time you and I speak, that means the season is just that much closer to being here. I can't wait, B.A. Go dogs. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, a lot is going on in SEC Media Days. We want to try to cover all of that for you as we roll through here. I'll also tell you this, that many times on a Tuesday here in our program, that means Connor Riley will do a Kroger Fresh Take with him. We are going to catch up with Connor a little bit later on this week. 
but not quite today, just given the fact that he's in Hoover, Alabama, and everything's going on the SEC Media Days. So later on, we'll hear from Connor. But of course, I want you thinking Kroger fresh take here on a day like this there as well, because Kroger's got those A-plus deals for you as we get ready to go back to school here. It's your one-stop shop for everything that you need, whether it's savings on the school supplies, like the crayons, the notebooks, or the the, the book bags or the lunch boxes or the stuff to go in the lunch boxes for snack and everything else. You got picky kids like me. You're thankful for all those shelves at Kroger to, to give the food that they will um, be able to provide there for you there as well. Uh, so Kroger can just get you ready for back to school. And I want you to find out more about this. Go to Kroger.com slash school. That's Kroger.com slash school. And you can find out a lot more about that uh, today. Make sure you check them out. And of course, still time for you to go to DogNation.com there as well. And check out our, our Kroger Five Star Kids promotion that's ongoing. Huge collection of gift cards we're giving away to the winner. And 50 random winners will be selected to win one of these Dog Nation Five Star Kids t-shirts, courtesy of Kroger there as well. So you can go to dognation.com, find out more about that. Or you can nominate your child or a child in your life by sending an email to info at dognation.com for more. That's info at dognation.com for a lot more on that. All right, SEC through time here. I mentioned Dan Mullen off the top of the program. There's something else that Mullen said yesterday that got some attention that I want to address. Mullen let it slip yesterday that he'd like to see a schedule change where you don't have a permanent cross-division opponent anymore. Now, a lot of times coaches do this, just so you know. There's a strategy for coaches who may want to avoid certain questions about their team. This time of year, they have a tendency to want to bring up big-picture topics, broad, long range changes and that's the hope that they'll get the media interested in that maybe not asking about you know quarterback or Todd Grantham or whatever subject that maybe Mullen wants to talk a little bit less about I'm sure some of this is is why Mullen brought this up but let's take Mullen's suggestion here at face value for a moment I think this is a really bad thing for Mullen to say frankly I think his idea if this truly is his genuine feelings are bad for the SEC there too first of all the reason why I don't think it's a great thing to say is Given the fact that your cross-division opponent is LSU, it kind of makes it look like you're trying to get an easier schedule when you say, hey, we'd like to play some different teams. Now, he mentions Alabama by name as one of those teams he'd like to play a little bit more. This will be the first time, I believe, in 10 years these teams have played during the regular season. But obviously, in a given year, seven teams in the SEC West, you know, more than half those teams will be, uh, most years, be worse than LSU. I'm sure I'm sure Dan Mullen and Florida feel like they have it a little tough having to play LSU every single year. So there's... A certain sense of, boy, it almost comes across as cowardice when you act like you don't want to play LSU every other year. But here's the other thing, you know, and this goes beyond even Dan Mullen just for a moment. That true authentic rivalries are hard to establish. That there's a lot of attempt to make these phony rivalries that end up kind of feeling somewhat fake. Uh, you know, I think we've seen with Texas A&M coming to the SEC, a push to create new rivalries for A&M within the SEC. And some of those, I would say, have worked better than others. There's also these attempts across college football to make these two teams into rivals and make folks care about that. It's just kind of hard to do that because genuine emotion is not easy to conjure up. But in the last few years, we've seen a, a true sense of LSU and Florida. These two teams hate each other. They've got real backstory now. There's been some weird stuff on the sidelines during these games. There was the weird way in which the, the threat of a hurricane impacted the scheduling. And you've had a lot of folks on both sides really say some things. And I think it's created genuine animosity between these two schools. 
And then you have, you know, some very memorable games like last year, the Throne Shoe game and the way in which LSU's kind of celebrated that and the, the embarrassment that Florida has to endure because of all of that. It is not easy to create the kind of backstory that Florida and LSU have generated over the course of the last couple of years. And the idea that it would be good for college football to stop adding layers to that rivalry so that you can play games that haven't been played quite as frequently, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And this is one of those things where a lot of people in the media push this, that we need to do less of what we always do so that we can do more of what we don't do very much. The honest truth is, is once you do that, after a while, there's nothing left that you don't do very much. There's nothing new left to offer people. I think the most underrated thing in college football are the games that are that, that keep getting better because of, of how frequently they're played. And I would say the Florida LSU is an example of that. And this is actually not a like a Gator hater type comment. This is just sort of an observation of college football. That Florida and LSU are working towards building something that actually feels pretty special to me. You know, the the whole notion of of two teams that have a real backstory, the two teams that probably don't like each other very much for honest, authentic reasons. The idea that it would be good for the SEC to do that less, to have those two teams on a field against each other less frequently, that's that just simply doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, another coach that made an appearance at SEC Media Days yesterday was LSU coach Ed Orsron. And maybe y'all can correct me because I obviously don't have the transcripts in front of me and – I feel like Ed Orgeron's statement about his quarterbacks yesterday was a little bit different than it's recently been when he's made, like, say, Baton Rouge radio appearances, things like that, where, you know, yesterday he kind of, I thought, was a little bit more paint-by-numbers saying the typical kind of thing that coaches say of, oh, it's very close right now between Miles Brennan and and Max Johnson. We don't know who's going to emerge from this quarterback competition. But, I mean, maybe I'll do some more of this on SEC Country Live tomorrow, but I don't feel like that's always been what Orgeron's been saying about that recently. Maybe I'll go back and check the transcript. I'll find out that I'm not quite right about that. But, you know, I, I think – and I think even mentioned this yesterday, that Orgeron's recent comments have led you to believe that the rest of us will all find out soon what LSU seems to already know, that one quarterback is better than the other. My prediction on this, it's going to be Max Johnson. I do believe – in terms of his you know, now experience, but also his skill set, that he's got the best combination of all that that makes him the most ready to play for the upcoming season. And I'm assuming that we'll all hear that announcement here coming up sooner rather than later. But yesterday, Orgeron was a little bit more of the typical coach of, oh, it's a tough competition. We have no idea what's going to happen. He was a little bit more you know, kind of in line with some of that yesterday. Uh, I thought this was really funny. You know, all in all, you know, I talked about Shane Beamer off the top of the program. And obviously took a little bit of a, a swipe at Georgia with his veiled reference towards Oscar Delp. That gets UGA fans' attention. But if you allow me to be objective here for a moment, I actually thought that Shane Beamer probably had a pretty good day at SEC Media Days yesterday. And one of the things that we wondered on yesterday's show was, how does Beamer sell himself? Because you got to be more than Frank Beamer's son. you got to be more than just the guy that once worked at Georgia and most recently worked at Oklahoma. You know, for a guy that doesn't have head coaching experience, you've got to have a way to sell yourself, especially when you don't even have coordinator experience there as well. You've got to have a way to define yourself. And I think one of the things that Beamer did a pretty good job of defining for himself yesterday, and once again, this is just, I believe, objectively true, even though I'm not a South Carolina fan, I thought Beamer defined himself yesterday as someone who has some love and affection for South Carolina. Prior to you know a lot of the other things that have happened in his career, he actually worked at South Carolina, and he seemed to really enjoy the experience. Being back there now is not the same thing as Georgia being, bringing a, a UG alumnus, Kirby Smart, to be the coach of their program, but much you know, kind of the way that Smart kind of struck that tone of, 
hey, you know, we love Georgia and this is a great place to be. I thought Beamer sold South Carolina pretty well. And let's face it, South Carolina is not always an easy thing to sell. But I thought Beamer kind of sold that pretty well yesterday. And there was a moment as well when he seemed to, or somebody close to him, showed some appreciation for history there too. There's an iconic photo from a few years ago of Steve Spurrier at SEC Media Days. He goes to a fast food restaurant after his day was concluded. And there's this photo of him. I'll show this on the screen to you. You know, kind of relaxed in the suit, tie undone, hanging around his neck shades on giving the thumbs up and yesterday the South Carolina football account recreated that entire thing with Shane Beamer and to me as someone who just loves the SEC and can't get enough of all this league storylines knowing that there's a little bit of appreciation for history South Carolina doesn't have much iconic photos at SEC media days in some cases about the closest thing they have but the decision to recreate that I think is actually pretty cool I also kind of like the aviators look there from a beamer so all in all kind of a nice thing and a pretty good job there uh, by South Carolina and, and really a very noticeable day for Shane Beamer, who I think when it's all said and done, may look like one of the big winners of media days, seemed very confident, seemed very in control. And I would say he scored a lot of points for his program for the way that he performed there in Hoover, Alabama. Quick preview of SEC day two here. Obviously, you're going to see Kirby Smart. That's ongoing. The Georgia players that are there, Jordan Davis and uh, JT Daniels. Ole Miss, also a part of this uh, there today there as well. There's a very interesting story of uh, uh, of Matt Corral, the Ole Miss quarterback, by Dennis Dodd, CBS Sports, of you know, you know some of the things in his past and the openness that Corral showed to talk about a fight that he once got into with Wayne Gretzky's son that led Corral to transfer high schools and the fact that um, uh, you know that that Corral is very open about wanting to talk about a lot of that kind of stuff. So all in all, uh, very interesting stuff from uh, very interesting stuff from Matt Corral in discussing all of that yesterday and we'll see how much more of that he gets into today as one of the very few quarterbacks you know there are only three quarterbacks coming to SEC media days this year two of them coming on the same day with both Corral and uh, JT Daniels so pretty interesting stuff there on that front I will make that your SEC through and here on Dog Nation Daily presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia I also want to talk about more about some of the things that were said yesterday, including some pretty interesting stuff from LSU coach Ed Orgeron. Orgeron yesterday addressing the situation there at Gilbert. It's one of the questions that you knew Orgeron would take, not just because of how it relates to Georgia, but how it relates to the LSU program. Orgeron was, excuse me, Eric Gilbert was one of the top freshmen in the country a year ago. That's a pass-catching target that LSU does not have at its disposal for the upcoming season. So you knew Orgeron would face those questions, and you knew Orgeron would be somewhat classy about all of this. This is Orgeron yesterday on kind of what he thinks about Eric Gilbert and the impact that Gilbert could make at Georgia. Take a listen to this. You know, we wish Eric the best. He's an outstanding young man. Uh, Mama's a great lady. I think he's going to be an all-pro tight end, all-American. Has a chance to be a first-round draft choice. So interesting to hear that from Ed Orgeron. And it's one of those things of like, Orgeron goes out of his way to praise Gilbert. But it's also one of those things that Georgia fans also notice. Ooh, he called him a tight end instead of a instead of a wide receiver, which Gilbert seems to think he wants to be known as now. And ultimately, I think when you hear Orgeron speaking there, you do hear the 
the obvious description of the talent that Orgeron brings, excuse me, that, that Gilbert brings to the table for the upcoming season. One of those dynamic pass-catching weapons that uh, that hopefully the Georgia Bulldogs can use a lot here this upcoming season. And Gilbert's already been a fairly hot topic there at SEC Media Day. Let's go ahead and get ready to wrap things up. All right, so uh, good stuff there. Ed Orgeron talking about Eric Gilbert and obviously Kirby Smart here on this Tuesday. He's already talked about plenty about Eric Gilbert there as well. So very interesting to see all of that. And, of course, we like to uh, have conversations around here too. And one of the things we like to do is our Gatorade roll call. We took our jabs at Dan Mullen early in today's show, a golden shoe winner to be given out for very much the same thing. Our buddy Mad Dog yesterday, Orgeron, excuse me, uh, Dan Mullen was asked, uh, about the, the Darth Vader costume that he wore after the Missouri game a year ago. And he almost came across like he actually didn't know that much about Star Wars, which makes you wonder why he even dressed that way. So Mad Dog comes on Twitter to say, when your Vader costume ain't what it used to be, and you see the Mullen as Vader on the one side and then the burned version of Anakin Skywalker on the other. Very clever stuff there from Mad Dog. Certainly, uh, Star Wars references always get you to the front of the line with me, for sure. How about a Gatorator countdown as we say goodbye to you here today? 102 days. We'll see you tomorrow at Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. And on the podcast, we're going to have to punt on our R.S. Andrews podcast cool down for today. As you're hearing this, I'm hopping in the car to head on down the road to Hoover, Alabama, where we'll have SEC Media Day's coverage on our program, Dog Nation Daily, presented by ESOG tomorrow. We'll also do SEC Country Live from SEC Media Days tomorrow afternoon there as well on the SEC Country channel. So we'll be back to comments again very soon. Certainly apologize for that, but I do hope you enjoyed today's show, and I'll look forward to seeing you back here again tomorrow.